Go go to a river or a stream, get some of those really good skipping rocks. They they make a satisfying thunk when they hit a kid. Uh, this is the Still Talking Podcast, our reverent distilling industry podcast with Colton Zeno and myself, Brian. Today, we have a very special guest, Paul Holetko, owner, operator, general badass of Few Spirits, and uh, just a generally unpleasant, miserable son of a bitch, and we love you, Paul. That's, uh, that's a pretty accurate description, at least of the son of a bitch and unpleasant. Um, <laughs> but at least uh, at least have a face made for podcasts. Go. <laughs> we're all in that same boat paul it's it's a good group take it easy i'm beautiful you you are stunning in your own way xena this is the most we've recorded like back to back um i assume it's been like it's two like days we're all now. stuck at home or something i know i know <laughs> fuck yeah this is cutting into my uh god of war time <laughs> <laughs> well, well you can still play yeah <laughs> Actually, it's cutting into. No, I just got off the phone with. Guess what I was talking about, guys? Um, <laughs> let me guess. It wasn't White Claw. It was our second favorite topic hand, hand sanitizer. <laughs> hand sanitizer. Right. Yeah. Uh, hey, Paul, you have uh, a, a legal background. You were one of those guys who was actually being, I thought, pretty smart in uh, being a bit of a devil's advocate before the whole FDA and uh, TTB thing chimed in. What are your thoughts on the sanitizer situation as of now, since everyone's kind of chimed in? Do you think it's a better idea? Do you th- still think there's some dangers involved? What are your thoughts? A lot of dangers. I mean, is, is it a good idea, bad idea? Um, really kind of irrelevant at this point, but I do think that there's an awful lot of dangers that a vast majority of the people doing this that are simply not cared for um and i think that's really scary yeah um you know making sanitizer is not the same thing as making whiskey and it's not that it's harder or one's better or anything but they're they're fundamentally different uh and the most obvious example is you know if you're making whiskey and you screw it up uh what ends up happening is that you end up with bad whiskey which is kind of sucky but you know you can move on from that whereas if you make sanitizer and it sucks and it doesn't sanitize uh, people die <laughs> right and i think that's a very different level of punishment for buying the wrong product or using the wrong product um and so i think there's an awful lot of danger here that people just are not ready and able to handle with the complexities um, and while I don't expect the general public to understand the complexities of these things, uh, you know, if you're putting your name on that bottle, you probably should understand those complexities. Um, you know, you're seeing all sorts of people bragging that they're using, you know, heads to make this like, well, really? That, that <laughs> seems like it's okay. Cause I don't think it is. And I don't. Again, but what do I know? I'm not necessarily the world's foremost expert on sanitizer. Um, I think it's really dangerous. And even if FDA and TTB weigh in, uh, no one's talking about the states. No one's talking about your local. No one's talking about the county. And all we're talking about is the ethanol and alcohol regulators. No one's talking about uh, local health and safety regulators. 
Uh, what about the county health department? What about the state health department? Uh, you maybe have a city health department. Because um, you theoretically TV, need approval all the way down the chain, right? Uh, you would theoretically need approval all the way down the chain. And now we can probably all agree that none of them are going to raise a stink, uh, most likely. But that's a pretty big risk for an entrepreneur to be taking. Uh, and that's just on the regulatory side. What about on the legal side? Uh, we are, you know, these many of us are operating in the United States. So even if your regulator says that you can do this, if you do it, somebody is going to sue you. Uh, and your insurance isn't going to cover it, most likely. Yeah, because you weren't set up for that. Right, you weren't set up for that. You didn't, that's not something that you're approved for. They don't have that in their coverage limits. So essentially, you're, you're out on a limb if something happens. Or like you're saying, prepare for something to happen. Yeah, you you people, you know, somebody will be sued. That's not with this the number of people doing this. Uh, it's not a question of if; it's just who. Somebody will be sued. So what you're saying is Colton should probably stop making face masks out of his old T-shirts right now. Is that a poor business model? Yeah. Like, since when do face masks count as you know you make it out of fabric from at home? Like what the hell? <laughs> uh, I'm not a face mask face mask expert. But it seems like that's probably a relatively specialized cloth or paper. Again, I don't even you know, I don't even know. I use heads for it. <laughs> yeah, I use heads. Right? <laughs> Just heads. Everything is heads. <laughs> right. I, mean, I saw somebody doing uh, face masks out of uh, you know they chopped a bra in half and was using each cup as a face mask. <laughs> and you know, while you know, thirteen year old Paul is kind of like all about it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 37-year-old Zeno is all about it. <laughs> yeah, that seems like extra steps to kink. I mean, it feels like you don't need that that extra work. Just just get the bra. I mean, it might do other stuff for you, but I don't think it's really protecting you from viruses. Or maybe get maybe get bigger viruses. You get STDs that way. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to find out. Colton will let us know. Or Zeno. I feel like Zeno's already been doing this for a while. We'll let it we'll let it work its way through the courts first. <laughs> Oh, there's a backlog there. They 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 let Zeno out of jail. Just it, it was a safety issue. Man, you're really beating up on me today, Brian. I know because I miss you, man. I didn't All get right, to see but... you at any of these uh, trade shows, so I'm I'm feeling kind of lonely. That's true. I should point out, Paul. Uh, you're not just being like a devil's advocate, but this is like how you work. I I should share a story that my very first interview in this inter industry was like, God, I think it was like eight years ago in Denver at ADI was you and chip tate and you guys took like you guys i don't i don't know if you remember this it was you sat down with ashley and i were in like their little side media room we were the only people there and you took like at least 30 to 45 minutes out of your day just to share with us how bad of an idea it was to be a distiller <laughs> and how much fucking hard work it was and how often you had to sweep the floors and hire and fire but every once in a while on a good day you get to make whiskey and that was like such a good education for, holy shit, the people in this are a little crazy, but they're really passionate. Otherwise, there's no reason to do it. No, this this business is so, it's so freaking hard and it's so much work and there's so much stacked against you. Um, and it's not like you're ever going to make any money doing it. Like the money sucks. <laughs> um, you know, we're all in this business because we just love it. Yeah. Yeah. So you're you're in uh, Chicago, Illinois, and you guys have you guys done lockdown yet? Are you at stay at home order yet? Oh yeah, we're locked.
Sound Distillery closed. Okay. Uh, we're going to be going in a few days over the next couple of weeks to make fucking hand sanitizer. Um, <laughs> sanitizer, not hand sanitizer, let me be clear. Um, but uh, no, we're locked down, production's down, uh, bottling's down. Um, and it's, you know, it kind of sucks. Like the new normal is super unclear. Yeah. Yeah. Cause no one has any idea how long this is going to be. No one knows, you know, what's, you know, a, you don't know how long it's going to be. B you don't know what it's going to look like when it's done. C you don't know what the marketplace is going to look like when it's done. D you know, ACSA just put out the study you know, saying you know, something like two-thirds of craft distillers expect to close their doors if it goes on two months. Um, you know, what does the rest of the industry look like? Yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, we already had no cash flow to begin with. Right. Yeah. A good day. I mean, those of us in whiskey, I mean, we've been investing for years putting down stuff for the long haul, and all of a sudden, you know, we're probably a little over-invested on production at this point. Right. Uh, but maybe you know, maybe we're under. You know, if two thirds of our competitors go out of business, we're probably underproduced. I mean, I've seen studies that say that the you know, now it's very quick to say this, but that you know, liquor sales have been up by twenty percent in a lot of places. Just everyone's stocking up for quarantine, I guess. But you got to look at you have to look at the breakdown on those sales too, though. It's all white claw. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's Damn a lot it. of white claw. And you know, my understanding is a lot of it's also hoarding buying rather than actual buying. Right. So you get, you know, so instead of the get instead of somebody going in and buying a bottle of Corsair, uh, they go and buy, you know, a case of Jack Daniels. Um, maybe they're a Corsair drinker, but they're not gonna buy a case of it. Uh, but they you know, they know they're gonna need some drinks, so they'll buy a case of Jack Daniels instead of three bottles of Corsair. So they're bargain purchasing. Fair enough. Fair enough. Have any of you guys adjusted your drinking preferences? Uh, I'm going. I'm going up market myself. But there you go. <laughs> yes. Yeah, hey, if That's it's me. the end, you know, you don't want to be sucking down something cheap. Exactly. Uh, the uh, number I saw the I think it was yesterday, except for three liter boxes of wine, which is up like some <laughs> absurd like twelve hundred percent or something. That's up market. Um, (laughs) for what i normally drink which is the complete inverse of what the pattern has been for the last however however many years everyone buying premium super premium colton drinks a a one gallon garbage bag full of prison toilet wine (laughs) (laughs) so yeah no no one knows i mean of course i maybe colton knows over at court fair but i don't know over here um Beats me. Uh, no, no one knows at this point. It's uh, you never know, but at least you've got something to base an opinion on. Right now, no one's, you know, nobody knows. Have you been talking to your distributors at all? What's the situation like on the uh, the wholesaler side? Are they shutting down? Are they still? Are they considered essential? What's going on in that world? Uh, wholesalers are considered essential. Um, so they're not shutting down. Uh, retail sales, you know, like you said, retail sales are humming. Yep. Uh, retailers are talking about it being, you know, holiday buying, 
or even advanced, you know, even more volume than Holiday. Damn. Um, and I hope they plan accordingly, though. Yeah, so the volume is up, but their margin is down because volume is up, but what's selling is boxes of wine, not the $40 bottle of wine. You know, it's not the Corsair and Few that's selling. It's, you know, Beam White or below. Um, so distributors are up and running, but all three tiers are playing pretty similar games. Uh, you know, they'll have the, basically the same strategy of get every dime of revenue you can and don't spend a dime. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Hunker down. What what is the what does history teach us in terms of like after the recession, two thousand you know two thousand eight two thousand nine that area? What was happening in the in the world of spirits? Did were people just buying value products? Were they buying more premium? Do you have any insights on that? You know, history shows that you know people will drink no matter what. So people will drink alcohol, um, but I don't think history shows anything like this where you have a truly man-made artificial collapse of an entire worldwide economy in a six-week span. Um, GDP is going to go down 30 to 40 percent, and that's never been done before. Um, Even when you look at, you know, history looks at, you know, GDP going down three, four, five percent, um, somewhat commonly, and you go down over, you know, you go down like ten percent. That's a major recession. Yeah, we're looking at losing thirty to forty percent. Yeah. At what point? At what point are you going to start looking at maybe bringing on lower price skews of whiskey or or gin or you know basically lowering your prices or making new products that fit in those tiers? Yeah, I think it becomes really tough. I mean, you can't really. When you're small, like you know, few is, or when you're small, like Corsair is, you're trying to play a low price product game. Doesn't work real well. No, um, you don't have the economy as a scale to get those prices down to that point. So you're just all that money is coming out of margin, which means you're not making any money. Uh, which means you can't buy stuff, you can't pay your people, you can't pay yourself. You know, it's a very low price, low price spirits are a great game and that's, but you got to have scale Yeah. and small companies like Corsair and Few don't have anything approaching that sort of scale. And then on top of that, we still have to fight to keep FET for another year. Right. (laughs) That's even ignoring FET, you know? Yeah. Even with FET, we still can't play in that ballpark. Yeah, we've been saying it for a while on on here, right? Like it's it's all about scale anymore in the the newer places, even to try and compete. Especially, but even a, after this, it's going to be even more pertinent if you want to make a choice like what you're asking, Colton. Because I mean, how is someone like my distillery produces you know a vodka, right? I, and I price it pretty reasonably, but not bottom shelf, bottom of the rung. I will never be able to compete with that. No. Right. So, what is, what's Corsair vodka retail for? Thirty. Yeah, twenty-eight, I think. Hmm. But yeah, you know, you're competing against vodka that is under fifteen bucks. Mm-hmm. Or you're or you're having a huge marketing campaign to make people 
to make it into a luxury vodka. But even at, you know, again, I don't know your books, but you're not making a lot of money at a $30 shelf price or 28 Well, we do buy our vanilla beans from the Vanilla Bean King, and he is uh, very expensive. <laughs> is it just a dude in a van? <laughs> what does his throne so. look like? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that office has got to smell amazing. I love vanilla bean. Oh, yeah. It's like yeah, it's... I do not love working with it, though. No. <laughs> Remember there was that girl that worked at Corsair and she was allergic to it? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> did you make her process it too? <laughs> we did. You're such dicks. Yeah. Uh, that's why I left, actually. That's why I went back. Because <laughs> Colton kept he handing you a face mask with shirt out of a shirt, and you're like, this is not a code. <laughs> yeah. like, I don't I think this is fair. Um uh, okay, Paul, are there any silver linings? Like, is there any chance that this whole scenario if it cleans up quickly, we get back to work. Can this help push through? Like, can we make FET permanent? Will this get rid of tariffs on, uh, a, 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 you know, a, a national scale, international scale? Are there any benefits that you see, or is it just it's too hard, it's too early to tell? I think it's too early to tell. I mean, I think the silver linings are that you know, and this is not really much of a silver lining, obviously, but you know, we were certainly in the midst of a shakeup in the craft spirit ranks uh, with people kind of going out of business already. Yeah. Um, I'm the kind of guy that if I'm going to fail, I want to fail fast. So you can move on to the next thing. Yeah. So you can move on, you know, okay, figure out what you did wrong and move on. Uh, I think this will help expedite going out of business for a lot of people. And I don't mean to be a dick when I say that, uh, but I do think that's a good thing. Um, I think it'll make survivors that much stronger. Uh, if you can, you know, if you can hold on, uh, you're going to have a lot more, you know, it's going to be a lot easier in the future. And again, this is really not the way anybody wants to win, but it is reality. Yeah. Um, I, I think these are dire times, but that's, you know, I think that's well articulated that, you know, if we can make it through this, and whether any of our distilleries, when we make it through this, if we can make it through this, you are that much stronger. You persevered, which you're going to learn. There's a lot of hard lessons that are going to be learned over the next two weeks, two yeah. months, two years, right? It's, uh, you know, it's easy to, it's easy to win when the tide is going up for everybody. And because that, you know, that can cover up a lot of financial mismanagement and it can cover up, you know, a rapidly rising tide can cover up a lot of things. But when that tide goes out quickly, uh, you know, a lot of stuff can get exposed pretty, pretty fast too. You know, if you're overspending on this, that's going to get, you're going to get exposed. Um, you know, strong management is going to be the key here. Well, Paul, you've been in the game for a while now, and you, you know you've kept things going. So, what kind of uh, words of encouragement or advice you would give people to get through this? Paul doesn't do encouragement. No, wrong question. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Brian. <laughs> no, I mean I think you know, again, it's really hunker down. Um, don't wait to make the hard decisions. You've got to be smart, and you have to be. You have to make hard decisions and you have to make them sooner. It's not going to be to your advantage to wait. Uh, it's only going to make the, you know, you're still going to have to make that hard decision, 
except a lot of the alleged benefits of making the decision will get lost. Um, you know, I've had to make a lot of hard decisions the last couple of weeks and that sucks. You have to, you, you have to keep your doors open. Otherwise everybody else there is not going to make it, you know, watch, you know, watch your revenue, watch what you spend, cut back on, you know, be realistic on what you're going to sell and how much money you're going to be able to bring in. Uh, be realistic on how much money you're sending out. You've, you've got to be able to make these smart decisions, again, using that good management, because there's plenty of opportunity. People are buying our products. You just have to be able to wait for an indeterminate amount of time to figure <laughs> out what that demand really is. That's what I wrote on all of my business models. Wait an indeterminate <laughs> amount of time for money. <laughs> Step three, profit. <laughs> yeah. When this country first, you get the sugar. <laughs> Are you looking into any of the uh, small business loans or what? That free government money. Yeah, that, all that free government money that they still haven't done. <laughs> the free money is the best. Um, we really haven't. We, you know, a few is situated a little bit differently than a lot of people at this point. Mm -hmm. um so we have not really looked at the sba loans frankly because they don't have as good a terms as the money we get elsewhere yeah um so i have it i don't really know what they look like um i am very you know i would caution people to avoid of thinking of an sba loan as free money because uh, sba loans are actually somewhat expensive a you got to pay it back b there's a pretty substantial amount of fees associated with SBA loans. Uh, I've, you know, I've used SBA loans in the past. I can't say enough good things about SBA loans, uh, but they're not free. Yeah. Um, I would strongly encourage anybody who is even wavering on their financial strength to apply. Uh, there's, you know, it's time, there's money. You can always make a decision later that you not, that you don't want to take the loan or you do want to take the loan. Uh, but get the you know get that paperwork and process so that people can get looking at it. Um, SBA loans usually do not have prepayment penalties. You know if you end up taking the money and things go better than you thought, you can pay it back early without penalty, uh, which is good. But of course, you know talk to your lawyer and so on. Uh, every debt deal is different. All the normal caveats and warnings that I don't know what I'm talking about. That's terrible advice because anyone who's listening to this <laughs> is not going to be smart because they're listening to us right now. So, but it's still solid. <laughs> <laughs> What's well, advice? It doesn't mean it's gonna, you know, no one's going to listen to it. No one listens <laughs> to me, Brian. You know that. <laughs> Damn We've strange. known each other a long time. Right? I tell the <laughs> truth and no one gives a shit. <laughs> <laughs> but you still speak it. And that's why I love you, Paul. Oh, that's just old man Haleku over there in the rocking chair, throwing rocks at the kids in his yard and telling them to turn down the damn music. But he's got a good aim. <laughs> Wait, at, at what age is that acceptable? <laughs> like, can I start doing that now? I recommend it. It's very satisfying. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Go go to a river or a stream, get some of those really good skipping rocks. They they make a satisfying thunk when they hit a kid. Yeah. Yes. Although I don't like the skipping rocks so much because they, uh, they're a little too uh, flattened out. I like a rock with a little <laughs> bit more of a uh, round shape 
because I feel like I get better control on the aim. <laughs> Paul wants something with a little more girth when he's hitting someone with it. <laughs> I like, yeah, that's what can I say? <laughs> okay, okay. Now, this is getting oddly specific. It is. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm going. The size I'm going... Of the last line. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Hey, I'm going fully optimistic here. I'm going to say everything's going to get better soon. We're going to go ahead and get our conventions back on. Looks like ACSA is what we're tentatively scheduled for August. So my question on that is. We did, I should say you did, uh, a hockey game at ACSA last year, which was a resounding success, even though um, your team maybe didn't win. But what's the plan? Hey, 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 that's a bullshit right there. <laughs> I don't know. I was, I was standing there, Paul, and it didn't look like your team won. <laughs> we just didn't have enough time. The clock <laughs> ran also, out on us. You gave up all your Canadians. You never trade the Canadians. Yeah. You know, that's kind of how hockey works. It's uh, There is a clock. <laughs> also, if you recall, if you recall, we were tr- they had a, they had a uh, skater on their team that was uh, perhaps not the strongest skater on the ice. That's and, true. And uh, we, uh, we were trying to get her to score. And then, they, mm-hmm. you know, every time we tried to feed, let her go ahead and score, uh, one of their hot dogs came and took the puck from her and put it in the back of our net. And I was like, that was like four goals. We're like, come on, man. We're not even playing defense and you're taking the puck. Come on. <laughs> they were playing. That's you. how you win. That's how you see, there's the problem, Paul, is you weren't out for blood. That's right. Montana was out for blood. Yes, fuck yeah. Well, so that's what I'm saying. This year, what's what's the game this year? It's not gonna be hockey. you guys settle on anything yet? I don't know. I wasn't prepared with this year. Um Greco-Roman wrestling? Yeah, I think it was either darts or bowling or a bar that had both. Or Uh, Greco-Roman wrestling. (laughs) (laughs) Also can be done at the bowling alley. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you give me a pitcher of beer, I'll wrestle anyone. (laughs) But I mean, going back to the bright side, I mean, I do think that a lot of these restrictions will be over pretty soon. Um, Not without a lot of pain. But, you know, my understanding as an unintelligent and uninformed person is that the goal of a lot of these really draconian restrictions is to flatten the curve. Um, I don't know that anybody thinks we're really going to, quote, defeat the virus because it's a virus. You really can't defeat it, but you can flatten the curve. But you know, flattening the curve does not mean defeating it. Flattening the curve means spreading it out. And so, you know, if the goal is truly to flatten the curve, things should be returned to normal really relatively soon, I think. People will get sick. People will get it, you know, people will get sick. That's I you know, you can't pretend otherwise. And people will die. Uh, I don't mean to minimize the severity or you know, not I I'm not minimizing any of that, but the goal of flattening the curve is not met by shutting down the economy for six months. Uh, the goal of flattening the curve is met by something that's, you know, some amount of time shorter than that, which is where I start running into my you know, lack of education and intelligence. But if we're flattening the curve, the curve already should be less aggressive. I'm not, you know, I don't think we're flat quite yet. Uh, but I don't think we're on a vertical line already, even after just, you know, a week, week and a half of increasing 
severity. Uh, you know, the curve should be flattened really within a couple of weeks. Again, I think as an uneducated uh, and unintelligent person. No, I think you're right. I mean, again, I'm not terribly educated in this as well, but I think the theory is sound that you're just trying to flatten that curve so that you have enough beds and ventilators to handle the influx of people that are coming in. Cause if they all come in one day, people will die because there's not enough access to the equipment and the personnel you need to handle that. So if you can spread that out over a long enough period, as you're doing that too, you're also building up the immunities within your population because people start building antibodies, you get herd immunity, but that does take time. So yeah, I think you're right. I think right now it's a bit of a debate on how long this will take. And also I think we're kind of watching other countries too. This is way off topic of our normal stuff, but it is interesting (laughs) that we're trying to watch other countries to see if they have secondary, uh, you know, or tertiary actual infection rates, because this can go through multiple phases. So if we can keep those down, then you're right. It should be at least back to business as usual at some point. Well, I love this. I love this logic, though, too, because it makes me feel good as New Orleans and Louisiana being, you know, yes, we have a lot of cases, as does Chicago, right, in New York and the Bay or California. But if we're, I'm like, okay, so all the things, all the states, all the countries are kind of staying on the same progression and, and bell curve, right? So I'm getting them all out of the way, right? I'm just ahead of the curve, right? <laughs> so like every state is going to catch up and be in as a bad spot as New That Orleans was right optimistic now. as fuck, Zeno. Um, I love that. I own a bad spot, but let's, uh, you know, I, again, we're not going to defeat a virus. That's not how life works, but we can flatten the curve. I don't know, Paul. We got a lot of cruise missiles. Are you sure? Like, I feel <laughs> like. <laughs> I, I don't know that cruise missiles are as effective as a vaccine in this game. Hmm. But okay. again, I'm uneducated and uninformed. <laughs> then you're in the right spot. <laughs> Welcome to the Still Talking Podcast. <laughs> I thought we were talking. I thought this was a public health podcast. <laughs> it is now. I mean, we did have an actual honest to God mayor on the last episode. So that was pretty fantastic. We've yeah, definitely upped a, our game. Well, he's got a beard. <laughs> yeah. Untrustworthy mayor. I heard, a, I heard the virus lives in beards for months. Is that true? That sounds like the virus lives everywhere for months. Though. For the sake of this podcast, yeah. It really does, yeah. There's I mean, Zeno, let's how many viruses are you carrying currently within your beard? Oh, I mean just They're in all my beard. Vials, but... yeah. <laughs> He's got a centrifuge in there. It's real weird. Yeah. But the vaccine should be available sometime soon, I would think too. Yeah, I think the projection was like a year though. They gotta run it through all the testing to make sure it's yeah. safe too. Hmm. Maybe. Okay. Man, I man, I hope it turns out to just be whiskey. God, that'd be amazing. <laughs> that would be good. <laughs> but like high quality whiskey. Like no alcoholics are getting sick. <laughs> <laughs> they just don't care. So okay, Paul, when this all gets back to normal, what's your day-to-day life gonna look like? Because you're not just dealing with, you know, few spirits there. You you're dealing with you know, your company and the, you know, you work with multiple distillers and stuff. Can you kind of go into that too of what you're gonna be doing on a national level for the different brands you work with? And if you don't want to go into that, I totally understand too. No, I mean, I think a lot of it really, again, no one really knows. We were a few, and then, you know, the whole Samson Surrey family, you know, we are going to survive. We're, you know, we are very well situated. I've got no real fears there. Um, I am a uh, rather 
uh, scattered entrepreneur. So I've got, you know, I've got other stuff that I'm involved in from a vodka brand to uh, um, some slightly more herbal topics as well. Um, but, uh, you know, vodka's, vodka's a tough So thing. oregano. Cold you're you're investing in oregano. <laughs> I'm not talking oregano, but uh, uh, dispensaries are also a, uh, what's what's the phrase that's bonded, that's banded about? Mandatory or required or? Oh, essential. <laughs> yeah. Essential. Yeah, marijuana. Yeah, no, I like mandatory. <laughs> mandatory. That's right. <laughs> now that's a good investment opportunity. Just because it's legal doesn't mean it's mandatory. People still going to like their weed. That's for damn sure. Okay, that's a, that's a topic that's a full 180, but I'm curious what your thoughts are on the marijuana industry. Do you see that? I mean, especially again, after this whole pandemic situation, do you see distilling and the marijuana industry kind of coexisting or are they going to butt heads for a little bit? Where's that going to lay out? Oh, I don't think there's button heads at all. I think they coexist very, very well. Um, I think that wherever you end up with legalization, there are some short-term market disruptions that equalize out really pretty quickly. I, I don't think marijuana really affects alcohol business much at all. To the extent it does, it's primarily channel switching rather than consumption patterns really changing. You know, where you see legalization uh, channel switch from off-prem or channel switches from on-prem to off-prem, but volumes don't move that much. People like their weed and you know realistically weed consumption doesn't move all that much based on legalization it changes where it buys and the only the only real movement in consumption for weed or cannabis is in uh guys like say for example me uh not that i would ever touch the devil's lettuce but uh that's <laughs> the uh, movement is you know 40 and up grown-ups uh, that'll smoke a joint on the weekend. They're not heavy users. They lost track of their dealer 20 years ago. Uh, and now you can go out and you can buy a joint and you can have a, you know, you, you, you're a moderate consumer, same as you're a moderate consumer of alcohol. It's not the heavy users. Uh, right. But, you know, if you're a heavy user, you've been using beforehand. Uh, and realistically, you're going to continue using afterwards. It doesn't, Consumption doesn't change that much. It's not going to be a replacement. It's a supplement. It's not a replacement. And even if you, even when you dig in the, if you dig into numbers even a little bit more, what you end up seeing is that spirits and wine are the least affected and beer is the most affected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beer's, beer's feeling that too. I know that, uh, you know, I might have said it on here before, but part of the reason I went to Oregon State was this guy named Keith Villa, who was the guy who developed Blue Moon, um, the Blue Moon beer, which is relatively popular. Yep. And uh, I believe he has since moved on a long time ago, actually, into the marijuana industry. Yep. And he's working on a, for years, he was working on making a beer that uses THC to dose at the same rate that a beer does. So, like, you get the high feeling at the same rate you would get the drunk feeling as drinking a beer. So beer is definitely feeling it. I hope he called it Bud Banquet. <laughs> yeah. I would buy that. <laughs> Banquet Bud. Banquet Bud. 
<laughs> I, you know, I, I will say that, you know, not that it matters, like not that he'll ever hear this anyways, but Keith Villa, uh, I'm sure he doesn't remember me or know me, but he sent me an email a long time ago when I dedicated my life to the science of alcohol that I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for his email. So nice. Yeah. Well, he's a good guy. Yep. Um, I missed out on investing in his weed company, but uh, he's a <laughs> yeah. good dude. Shame on you for six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in other ones. It's fine. Just not his. May I recommend that everybody go out and check out uh, Mirth Beverages. Okay. What is that? Oh, yes. Come on. Have shameless plug, Paul. Shameless Yeah, plug. throw more out there. Give us yeah, more plugs. Right. Well, there you go. Uh, uh, Mirth Beverages, their primary product is called Legal. Uh, it's 100 milligrams of THC and about a about a pint of a carbonated beverage. Um, obviously, I've never consumed such a thing, but uh, I'm told it's <laughs> delicious. Oh, their bottle is their bottle's called Legal. I like that. It's called Legal. <laughs> it, it says it right there. Yep. Very classy. And then uh, Two Roots is uh, kind of Keith's competition. Five milligrams of THC and a uh, 12-ounce no-alcohol beer. Um, but they actually make beer and then de-alkalize it uh, using some sort of a centrifuge. Uh, and then they add in THC. Wild. That way they can avoid any kind of conflicts with TTB, FDA, all that stuff, right? Correct. Uh, it's... Okay. Probably not the best beer you've had in your life, but it is very good beer. Again, as I'm told. <laughs> Theoretically. Theoretically. I've certainly never been to Vegas where I've uh, been able to purchase it. <laughs> All right, guys. Any other questions? Uh, final thought. Um, my final thought is, so I, again, I'm going to go with the question for everyone. And I'm going to keep on this. I've seen this question a bunch of other places, but I want to know your guys' answer. And it's, what's the first thing you're going to do when all this goes away? What is the first thing that you are missing that you want to do right now? Buy a case of Jack Daniels. God damn it, Colton. <laughs> send my kids to no, school. <laughs> yeah, send the kids to school. That's oh, I that's love them to death, but I'm yeah. ready for them to go to school. <laughs> <laughs> Love him to death, but yeah, you got to go. Paul, how about you? Uh, I'm just going to go out and go for a nice walk and not worry about anything. I just want to be outside. want to go to work like a normal person and, uh, you know, enjoy. Yeah. Clap fives to people. I'm a simple man. I think that I'm going to give a, a, a good, solid man hug, like the handshake slap one-armed like i want a good man hug that's pretty just anyone (laughs) no to like someone i potentially care about your Uh, wife you're gonna give your wife a solid man hug. no that's what i mean like my wife no now if my wife fucking blinks the wrong way i'm like ready to murder her um (laughs) and by that i mean she's an angel and she's definitely ready to murder me well i mean can you blame her no. <laughs> I, I really do want to see those divorce rate numbers over the next couple months. That's going to get real interesting. <laughs> the baby numbers are going to be awesome. <laughs> the corona a lot babies. of babies out there. Oh, all the corona babies. I guess they'll be corona boomers. Well, no, cor- coronials. Coronials. <laughs> a lot of them. <laughs> Everybody's just staying home and getting their freak on. 
Uh, all right, Paul, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, guys. All right. Love you, dummies. Okay. Okay.